Hello, friends, and welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Colleen Johnson, and I'm here to guide us in raw conversations about thriving in life and work so that together we can step into personal agency and stop letting life happen to us. We'll cover topics like health, boundaries, communication, finances, and worthiness. That badass business you've been dreaming of, it's not so far off. The desire to wake up feeling fully alive, it's right around the corner. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Reclamation Podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest and a little bit about where I'm recording from this morning. So I am, again, recording from our tiny apartment in Washington, D.C., and I'm sitting here. It's the afternoon for me, so I actually just have water in front of me. I'm keeping things simple today, and today our table's messier than normal because um, we've just had a lot of little projects that we're working on. But today things are a little quieter, which is kind of nice compared to some of the other recordings that I've done for you where it's been noisy. So hopefully things will will flow well, but that's a little bit about where I'm recording from. So I'd love to introduce who I have with me today. So today I have Alyssa Chang with me. And Alyssa works as a brain-based health and movement coach. With the health industry currently saturating the market with quick fix and cookie cutter approaches, her aim is to challenge these norms. With over eight years studying neuroscience, Alyssa teaches clients how to better listen, trust, and befriend their bodies through this lens of using this internal wisdom inside of us which, oh my gosh, I love even that last piece of just internal wisdom inside of us. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Alyssa. I'm, I'm pumped. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. And I'd love if you could just share a little bit about where you're recording from, maybe what you have in front of you, a few little things like that to kind of help us all be able to set a picture of where we're at. I know. I actually just love how you introduced that because I think it does give such like a welcoming, like I'm just in my apartment hanging out. (laughs) So (laughs) I setting the mood, right. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually just moved to Honolulu, Hawaii. So we are staying on a side of the Island that is a little bit more quiet, which is wonderful. Our little Airbnb overlooks, um, a golf course, which this part of the golf course is closed. So it's basically a large dark dog park for my, uh, Labrador Nala. (laughs) Um, and it's just like, I mean, we have like a gentle breeze. I'm sitting in a beach chair basically inside my apartment, but, um, yeah, it's just a a wonderful scenery that I get to see as I'm doing this podcast. It's wonderful. Oh my gosh. I, I'm really just genuinely so jealous. I We've been living here in DC for, I guess it's a little over two months, two and a half months, and we're going to stay for three months. It's for my partner's job. And I've actually never lived in such a metropolitan area and my body is not super loving it. So like hearing you describe that, my body's like, oh my gosh, please just like transport me there. <laughs> Yeah. And I was telling you earlier about how we typically start our mornings, you know, around six, six 30 and we walk to the ocean and we all just swim in the water, reconnect, mm-hmm. ground ourselves and the water's so healing. And then we just like yeah. come home and we start our day. It's like wonderful. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I love it. So, so beautiful. I can like picture it in my head. <laughs> so good. 
So today I'm so excited because we're going to be talking about utilizing a nervous system approach to your health and healing journey. And we really haven't talked about this on the podcast before, and I'm just super interested to hear more about your work and to hear more about how this, how this um, nervous system approach works from your, your framework. So I would love to hear a little bit, like what is your story kind of with reclaiming the health narrative and like, who did you have to be to get here? What drew you to the nervous system and through health and healing? Oh, such a great question. I think, you know, with any type of healing journey, you always kind of veer on, you know, one side of the spectrum until you like overcorrect and go on the opposite side. So, um, you know, with myself and the quick intro you shared where, you know, the, the health industry is saturated, right. With all the diets and you should be doing this and eating this. And I was so accustomed to following rules and getting very comfortable with not asking myself what I needed or what I felt intuitively in my own body was actually more valid than following, you know, all these other protocols So I was so accustomed to like searching for answers outside of myself, um, hiring out, right. And the fitness and health industry conditions us to believe that we can't trust our bodies, right. If, if your if your body does this and not this, like you're wrong, right. Something's wrong with you. And Mm so, um, I spent a majority of my life being an athlete and then I went, I decided one year to like go into figure competitions, which was actually one of the most challenging things from a healing perspective, um, because that is like super regimented. You're really following like these, like extremely strict rules. Um, you're delegating your, all your decisions to a coach. You, you know, you feel unwell, but you know, in the health world, you look fit. So Mm. you're getting like these constant conflicting messages of like, well, I look fit, but I feel terrible but everyone's giving me compliments, you know? And so you're in this war with yourself of like, well, what's actually true, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, um, competed, I did well, but I was like, oh, I thought I would be happier. You know, I thought I would be happier. I thought my life would like fall together. Once I like self-corrected everything that the fitness and health industry tells women to do, which is like perfect your body, control your food, right? Stay quiet, mm-hmm. all these pieces. And um, I never felt further from myself when, when I was like, quote unquote, you know, the, the fittest. Mm-hmm. And so after I did this, these com- competitions, I, I um, had a huge metabolic rebound. What that basically means is you know, every time you try to do what traditional methods teach you to do, which is like, oh, you have inflammation, you should do this. You know, you have gut stuff, you should do this. And everything just didn't work. Like my body was rebelling with a purpose (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I just became really unwell. And so that's where neuroscience came in. And that's where all the education around really trying to relearn how to work with my body and trust her. Um, and rooting it in science, which for me and my very analytical brain was kind of taking multiple exhales along the way, um, just knowing that there was so much purpose behind my symptoms, my behaviors, my mood, it just, everything started to click and make sense. And then I was, you know, much more attuned with myself and I no longer had to search for, you know, answers outside of what my body was telling me. Yeah, totally. I'm curious, could you explain neuroscience a little bit more for us? I have 
dabbled yeah. in it a little bit, but I know many of us, it's very, it's a very new concept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think like it's, it's, it's a new, like almost trendy concept as well, that I think there's like multiple iterations of like how people are describing neuroscience. But, um, for, from the lens that I work with and what I do is I actually study the structures of the nervous system. I study the way that we are receiving information, what parts of our brain get activated, um, through different pathways and I utilize movement as my lens to better understand my students. Um, and movement is so telling because the way that we move is like such a, a great lens for me to like really understand, okay, this part of this person's nervous system or the structure of their, their brain might be inhibited and inhibited just means like, it may not be as active, which is resulting in all of these different patterns and symptoms that they're experiencing. So neuroscience is basically this very all encompassing perspective on taking the science and the structures of your brain and all their responsibilities, and then helping make sense of what we're feeling in our bodies. So I study the brain, I study movement, and then I put it together kind of in this big puzzle so that each of my students and myself can better understand like, wow, I have all the answers inside of my body and symptoms are super informative. And, you know, I just need to stay very curious about myself in order to continue this healing journey. Yeah. I'm so curious. What are some symptoms that you see kind of most often? I'd love to hear just kind of like when, when someone comes to you with a symptom, what is that journey like? Uh, and like, how do they sometimes, you know, end up after they understand how to communicate with those symptoms um, and recognize them and be able like, how does that actually impact their life? That was a yeah, great that's question. Such a great question. <laughs> no, I love it. That's great. <laughs> well, I think what's really common right now is there's a lot of uncertainty in the world with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot, you know, there's the election, there's all of these things outside of us that make us feel out of, con- like, we don't have a lot of control. Mm-hmm. And I think that aspect of control, it kind of gets marked as like, you know, if, if you're someone that likes control or seeks it, like you're a bad person, right? Mm. Like you need to like surrender and go with the flow. And I think actually fundamentally as human beings, why we see control and predictability is because we're hardwired in that way. Like our brain wants to know what's coming up. We want to know if like, if, and when this vaccine is going to come out. So then we don't have to wear masks when we go to the grocery store, you know, like we Mm. want that predictive element because it provides our brain with a clear understanding of what's coming. And the, the, when we don't know what's going to happen, it makes us feel very unsafe in our bodies. And it makes us feel very unsafe with our environment around us. And as a result, lack of safety in our body and in the environment can result in anxiety. It can can result in, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of overwhelm and pain. And those are probably like the three very common things I see in the students I work with. And you know, when we notice that there's like this anxiousness that lives in our body and in our brain, it's actually attributed to structures of the nervous system that are, you know, maybe have been impacted due to health history. Like maybe there was a concussion, maybe there was an injury that wasn't properly rehabbed, but as a result, the messages that get sent up the spinal cord to this part of the brain are getting impacted. So people that are like, Oh, I'm, I'm so anxious. Like I can't, you know, I feel, I feel wrong. I feel at fault in the way that I can't manage my anxiety. But in reality, when I can take them through like a movement assessment and I can show them just that 
It's actually just the structure of your brain that needs therapy. And so we go through like these brain-based therapy drills where we start to provide the brain with like very specific fine-tuned movements that address that part of the brain so that it becomes active. So that when we're moving into like this anxiousness, we actually can turn towards tools like these brain-based tools and have the compassion for ourselves to be like, Ooh, I need to do that drill because I'm starting to feel my heart rate quicken, my breath change. And this is the tool that allows me to reconnect and reground myself. So it's like super powerful work. It's really specific to each individual, which I love because again, I think the fitness and health world are very black, you know, it's very cookie cutter. It's like, here's this program. It's going to work for thousands of people, you know, but in reality, if it doesn't work for you, I think that's like a phenomenal takeaway for each of us when we quote unquote fail at a diet or fail on a program, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's super interesting. Um, I'm curious. So when you talk about all of these different pieces, um, sorry, I like totally lost my question. Let me think for a second. (laughs) Gotta love when that happens. I like had it on the tip of my, my head and then it it ran away. And that's something that has to do with the nervous system, which is fascinating too. Oh gosh, that's interesting. Tell me more. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I've had clients that struggle with brain fog, right? There's someone that like miss, like, this is a great example, right? They're like, Oh, I forgot what I was going to say, you know? And like those Mm -hmm. little instances, like people feel like sometimes they feel at fault, right? Like, Oh, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm so forgetful. I can never remember things. And it's actually like, again, there's structures of your brain that when well integrated, when we turn to movement, when we can breathe effectively, like we have Mm -hmm. this really well-functioning brain that we begin to notice like, oh, I'm more productive at work. I can get through a lot of things. I can multitask, you know, instead of feeling like I need to like turn off the TV, close the blinds, you know, put on headphones and like just focus on my work because distractions Mm -hmm. are really almost triggering because it's too much information for the brain to start to interpret all at once. Yeah, totally. That makes me really curious because I noticed like when you talk about the brain fog and me like losing my question, it's been so interesting for me noticing how my body responds to being in like downtown Washington, DC for the past three months. Like I have felt my body telling me continually over the past three months and it's been getting stronger and stronger. Like it's time to go home. Like this is not a good oh. space for you. And that's just really ah. interesting to to notice that even brain fog is like my body saying, we need some fresh air. Like we need to go back to where there's woods and oh, nature. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, I- 100% you know, we're conditioned to like either suppress what we're feeling in our body that then that becomes habitual, right? We, Mm. we kind of like turn away from those little gut kind of like, Ooh, my, my stomach did a little flip, you know, or it's like, Oh, like my breathing is changing or my skin's reacting, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's all these little things that are messengers from the brain that are trying to tell us like, there is something around here. That's like not making you feel as safe. And Mm -hmm. the nervous system is always hardwired to keep us safe and alive. And I have my students do this all the time. I'm like, I want you to walk through your house and just like pay attention to your heart rate when it changes. Like when our heart rate goes up, typically that's a stress response. Um, Mm -hmm. And it could be like a specific 
part of their house is like too bright. Like there's like fluorescent lights. It's like really um, like there's like a jarring color on the wall. You know, it's just something about that, that your nervous system is interpreting as this is like not safe. Like I don't want to stay here. And yet maybe that's their office, right? And then they're working in their eight hours a day and they're getting headaches and they're constipated and they're highly anxious, you know, and it could be, it could, it is not, it's, let me say this. It's very common that it's not what we typically think it is. Like, I'm just like, uh, my work is really demanding. It could literally be the fact that you're under really bright lights the red wall is like really jarring for the nervous system. And yes, you're sitting, but all of these things combined are what making it's what making your nervous system feel very stressed out. So everything you shared are just like, I would encourage you to just like continue to like journal and brain dump about those pieces because there's something so healing about being in an environment that is so conducive to our body being able to relax. Totally. Yeah. And something I notice like with my clients as well, and, and something that I've continually reminded myself of is I think previously, so if you would have put me in this position two years ago, I would have made myself bad or wrong for not yes. being able to perform at my highest wherever mm-hmm. I am. And I feel like when I'm hearing you talk about like the colors and I never would have even thought like a red wall would be a nervous system stressor, but that makes so much sense where when our body's saying yeah. those things, like it's also just so important to not make ourselves wrong or bad. And I feel like that has a, a big piece oh, of that is coming yeah. from um, what the world tells us is like, oh, you have to be performing high. Like you have to be, you know, able to work however many hours it is in a day and right. be like top performing all the time. And if you're not, there's something wrong with you. There is something broken and right. you need to go to the doctor or, you know, whatever and you need to take a pill or, you know, there's all those different like quick fixes. Right when really your body's just saying, Hey, you need to move somewhere else. (laughs) Um, (laughs) trying to communicate. (laughs) Right. I mean, and that's Megan, honestly, why, you know, I came back to Hawaii. I was, I was based in Northern California and we were having terrible fires there and it was, you know, the environment and, you know, with COVID too, you know, you're in lockdown. My boyfriend and I were like, I think now is just the time to relocate, you know, and it's incredible though, what your, um, physical environment can do for you from the standpoint Mm -hmm. of just moving you out of being so fight or flight, which is where you're chronically depending on cortisol and adrenaline. Um, and it's like, this is like the power of the nervous system because it's super subtle, but it's also hugely impactful. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, could you actually, cause I know you mentioned fight or flight. I'm sure, I know you're, you probably have like the whole spectrum of the different, um, like states of being, do you mind walking us through each one of those? Yeah, I would love to. I think it would help definitely kind of conceptualize like the whole topic of neuroscience. For sure. Um, yeah. So, so you know, you were mentioning earlier about how the world pushes us to move at this super fast pace, right? Produce, produce a lot, work a lot. Don't rest. If you do, you're a bad person. You're lazy. Right. So we we're like living in this environment that is like really goes against the grain of what we are naturally as human beings, which is we need time for rest and play. We need a ton of movement and not like exercise, but just like playful, fun movement. Like we are meant to be movers. And that's why like sedentary jobs automatically equate to like 
more depression, more pain, more digestive issues, right? It's just like, it, mm-hmm. they're like so parallel. So when it comes to like fight or flight, here's a super fascinating is, you know, because our world is built around some built around a pace that goes against what we actually need, we are automatically kind of like feeling more stressed. And I use this concept of the, of a threat bucket that I learned through all my education with neuroscience is that every day we start with like this empty bucket and throughout the day, this bucket fills with like threats. And Mm. you can take, for example, right. If if you're, uh, let's say in an, in a room that's like super bright and you're really light sensitive. And that's very common too. Like, like sensitivity is like a very common, we are under a lot of artificial lights that can be very jarring and stressful to the brain. So it adds basically threats into this bucket. We then are sitting next to that red wall, right? And our nervous system interprets red as something very like alarming and dangerous. So we're adding that into our bucket. We missed breakfast. And so we miss the opportunity to like refuel our brains. We add more stress into our bucket. So throughout the day, your bucket just fills with all these threats. And when your threat bucket gets too heavy, what ends up happening is the loudest output is going to be pain and pain for each of us is super unique. So pain could be, I'm chronically anxious. I feel like achiness in my body. It could be, you know, my stomach is just like turning and I feel like I'm sensitive to everything I eat. Um, it could be physical pain. So what we want to look at is when we're looking at these different structures of the brain, we need to be able to move into, you know, fight or flight is purposeful because it's a survival mechanism. You know, when, uh, you think about back in the day, right. If we saw like a predator, like a tiger, (laughs) you want to be able to like elevate your heart rate and flee and like do something that'll keep you alive. However, right now in our day to day, we're getting into fight or flight just because we're staring at a blue light screen, right? Just because we're not moving our eyes, we're not, you know, utilizing a full expansive breath and we're sitting in front of a computer. And so we're putting ourselves into this fight or flight state and we're chronically staying there. And when we're chronically in that space, we don't leave room for the other side of the nervous system, which is your parasympathetic side, which is responsible for resting, digestion, relaxation. So for a lot of my clients who struggle with digestive issues, in many cases, it's because they're just chronically overproducing adrenaline and cortisol to pump, to pump like false energy, essentially, so that they can stay highly productive in the super fast paced world. So that's kind of like, you can let me know if you want me to dive in deeper into any of the specifics, but that's kind of an overarching perspective on like these different sides of the brain. And they're purposeful, but spending too long in any one side is going to be detrimental over long term. Yeah, totally. I can definitely, definitely see that and resonate with that. Oh, hey, it's Megan here. We'll get right back into today's conversation. But before we do, I'm here to let you know about my Coach Yourself to Reclamation Toolkit. This toolkit includes a 30-minute audio training and an ebook journal guide that walks you through the five phases of reclamation and how to apply them. If you are a creative, a misfit, or a holy outsider who is done feeling fearful and boxed in, this toolkit is a resource to help you reclaim your dreams and choose your own path. If this sounds like you, head to megscolleen.com, that's M-E-G-S-C-O-L-L-E-E-N.com, and purchase your toolkit now. 
Let's dive back into today's conversation. I'm curious for, and this is actually moving into a little bit more of like implementation, but I, I'm sure we'll probably, we'll bounce back and forth a little bit, but I'm curious for folks who are like in that state of feeling like chronically overstimulated, overworked, over, you know, all of that stuff, like they're in that state of fight or flight. However, they can't, like, I'm, I'm just thinking of me, like I get the opportunity to go home to the lake town that I live in in three weeks. Right. So that's going to help me bring me back to like a much more grounded space. I know everything in my home. I've like really carefully been, you know, mindfully set there because I I really love my environment. But a lot of people do live in cities and have very stressful work situations that potentially they can't change right away. And I know when I'm coaching people, it's more on like the mindset aspect of things, but then when it comes to their body and like being able to bring that back to a a regulated state so they can like move into rest and digest, do you have any recommendations for them so they can kind of move through this? And I feel like, especially in this season where we feel uncertain so often, where when we turn on the news, there's like three triggers before we can even, you know, get a chance to turn it right back (laughs) off. Um, yeah. Any words that you have for people that are kind of in that position currently? Yeah. And I think that's where I, you know, the reality of it is what I do is I'm really just trying to find really quick digestible, but basically effective solutions long-term for people Mm. to interrupt the cycle of becoming dominant in fight or flight because, it, I think where the, again, the fitness and health industry go wrong is that they, they try to overhaul our entire lifestyle, which is like, as human beings, that's just way too hard, right? It's like, yeah. there's no way I can set up in an hour a day, even 30 minutes a day. I mean, you talk to a lot of mothers and it's like, I've got maybe five minutes, right? And so mm-hmm. it's like, how do we create an impactful five minute change for them? And that's why when you start to look at the nervous system, it's like, Number one, it's the fastest system in the body. So you can create immediate change by, you know, just walking out of the really fluorescent bright light room that has a red wall and you could feel immediately better. Mm -hmm. Um, It also is plastic. So you can create plasticity and these actual like changes to the way that your neurons fire to one another. And then it's super sustainable and long-term. So For, you know, kind of like digestible solutions, I think one thing is, you know, you and I are talking a lot about environment and that's so key. Like, it's like the people that you spend time with and the conversations you're in your social media, like even that environment, go through that, like declutter it and make sure that it's, you're exposed to content and people that really resonate with the life that you want. Mm -hmm. Um, Because one thing about the nervous system is that it can't compartmentalize stress us. So you see like 10 seconds of like these wildfires in, in California and you try to shut it off. Your brain has already gone through the experience of like, oh my God, we are in a fire, you know? And so if you can, if we can just hold space for the fact that our brain experiences the stress that we see, observe, hear, and read as experiences that are actually happening to us, then it's like super, you know, important for us to then, you know, yeah, go through your environment with a fine tooth comb, make sure you're in conversations that are supporting your neurological health, because it can have such a profound impact on your mood, your appreciation, your happiness, your pain, et cetera. So I think environment is huge. Um, I think as well, like 
super simple strategies are going to be like, can we bring attention to the way that you're breathing? Um, breathing Mm -hmm. is like one of the most impactful ways to upregulate the rest and digest part of the brain. And it's done so through an emphasis on focusing on exhalation. So the longer that we can kind of like hold those exhalations, the more that you're just bringing like so much like warmth and goodness to your brain that it can feel more relaxed through like literally probably like a minute of exhalation work and just focusing on your exhales, really like passively kind of bringing awareness to your breath. I think that's another simple solution. Um, and then I would say the last one is, you know, I talked a little bit about your eyes and like light sensitivity, um, blue light exposure, artificial blue light from the screens that we stare at are really, really jarring to the brain. Um, they inhibit melatonin, which is the hormone that allows us to feel sleepy. (laughs) So, um, if you're noticing that you're having a hard time unwinding in many cases, it's due to, you know, probably a lot of blue light exposure. So you can invest in like blue light blocking glasses, dimming your screens, um, making sure before you go to bed, you're not on a screen like an hour before bed. And all of that will have really profound effects hormonally and at like the root, um, level of your brain to allow you Mm -hmm. to get into the rest and digest part of the nervous system. Yeah, those are so beautiful and so very attainable steps. Thank you for sharing those. Something else that came up while you were talking about that too is just this interesting concept of how like our body doesn't compartmentalize stress. And what came up for me when you were talking about that is it's so interesting because I think from a like a world perspective or like a cultural perspective is we're supposed to compartmentalize our life between work Mm -hmm. and like life and, and that kind of stuff. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. Like, even just when I talk about it, like what comes up for you with that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, there's so much that's backwards in the way that we're, we're encouraged to live. And Mm -hmm. I think it has left so many of us feeling at fault, asking ourselves what's wrong with me going into comparison. Right. And like secretly really being unhappy Um, we can perform happiness, right? Like I'm, I'm doing great. I post these pictures on social media, but internally we might be so distraught and misaligned. And so when we look at like compartmentalization, I think that some people, their brains love it, right? They're like, yes, I have all these like little containers in my head that like, you know, my responsibilities at home go into this container and then my work goes into this container. And that's just the way that their brain works. But if you're someone that loves to jump around, right, you're, you kind of just like go with your energy and you flow through like your days, like there's nothing wrong with you. That's just the way that your brain has deemed the most enjoyable probably and most effective for keeping you consistent to some degree and interested. And so I think like if we can just begin to acknowledge, like we are all so different and a large part of that is because of our unique neurology it gives us so much more space to be compassionate for all the ways that we're not lining up with the way that the world tells us to be act, behave, et cetera. So compartmentalization is like very fascinating because I think, I actually think that some like, not to like, you know, make such a broad category, but you will see men kind of compartmentalizing better and you'll see women multitasking a lot better. And I think it does have to do with the way that our brains are developed. And also I think societal expectations as well. But um, I think just holding that with awareness and not, and not judgment, I think gives us way more freedom to like live our lives designed by 
by us and designed by the way that, you know, we feel is going to be the best for us, which no one tells you to do, right? Like everyone's like, follow these rules. You should feel this way and do it like that. Totally. And our, our entire culture is like based off of that. So it's, it's always very interesting to notice, like, how can you go kind of against the green while having to also work with the green? It's a very oh interesting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 Wow. So I'm thinking about some other questions here. Um, but is there anything else that you're specifically, like, that feels really important for someone, especially for people who are new to thinking about their nervous system, to people who are thinking about their health and maybe recognizing that the quote unquote system isn't quite working for them. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, whenever I meet someone new, usually they're coming to me with a lot of failed experiments that they've run. They don't probably call it experiments. They call them like, I failed this diet, right? I failed this program. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really at a loss of where to go now. And I think that feeling of overwhelm, feeling stuck, feeling like you're wrong. And you know, you're, you're never going to figure out your body or what she needs is, you know, how can we, you know, hold that with as much space as we need to, and then start to look at all these experiments that you've run and pick that apart and be like, wow, look at all the data we've gathered as to what Mm. really won't work for you and what we can continue to kind of shed light on. Because I think the one thing when we start to like really honor the nervous system is that you begin to see that your body is always talking to you. You also then start to learn all the ways that she's trying to keep you safe, protect you and work with you. And I think those are such very, like, those can be very novel and overwhelming statements for someone who's like, she's always working against me. Like, I don't trust her. She doesn't do what I say. And it's Mm -hmm. like, in many cases, it's like, oh, like I think when she's signaling pain every time you sit in front of your computer, it's because she doesn't like the reflection of blue light from your screen because it's making you move into fight or flight. So if we were to get blue blocking glasses, protect your eyes, are you then actually more in a conversation with your body, right? It's not this like monologue of like, you're right. I'm, you know, or you're wrong. I'm right. It's more of like this open dialogue of like having a conversation with your body and then being in alignment with what she really is trying to tell you. It's just really hard, I think. And I I really acknowledge the difficulties of, you know, starting this journey of like becoming intuitive because for many of us, we've spent years and years and years being told that we can't be trusted and we shouldn't Mm -hmm. trust ourselves. So there's often this transition of like, you know, Ooh, can I trust her? Right. Okay. She's tired. I'm going to take a nap. And then all of a sudden you're way more tired, right? You're like, I don't get it. Like I rested and she's way more tired. And that's where some of the science will come into play where you're just like, well, you know, you probably were in a lot of debt with sleep. So you're going to experience like a delay of like fatigue. Maybe that's going to last like a month, you know, but Mm -hmm. this is what you need. And sometimes what we need may not look like what we really want it to look like. And that can be confusing, you know? So those are just some pieces that I would say, like learning the nervous system helps you hold more compassion for your journey. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious. Um, and this might just be a a switch in language a little bit, but, um, when you're learning to communicate with your body and when you're developing this, um, 
kind of compassionate understanding for your sensations, how do you see emotions playing into that? Because I feel like there's also just so many narratives around emotions and whether you can trust them or whether you can't trust them. And when it comes to kind of holding space for both your sensations and your emotions, how do you see it within your work? How, how do those things play together? Yeah. I mean, I think there's like an element of self-awareness because I think oftentimes, you know, when I, I encourage my girls to start to literally just like ask themselves questions, it's not uncommon for them to like initially in the beginning be like, oh, I don't know. Right. Because Mm -hmm. their emotion, emotional language has been so suppressed and inhibited that they're so um, detached from their body and their yeah. emotional state. So I think it's it's an aspect of practice. I think it's an aspect of intentional, you know, questions and and being okay with sometimes you may not have an answer and that's totally normal for beginning a journey of, you know, trying to work with your body. So um if at any point someone is like I don't I don't know how I'm feeling, I think that's okay. I think that's like a a demonstration of where we're starting from and there's nothing wrong with where we're starting from. It's just honestly, for me, a great lens of like, okay, great. This person may struggle with putting together the language of how they feel, but with more encouragement. And if you're in a community that, you know, they're all working for the same thing of like, I want to be able to like understand my emotions and understand my body. That is just amount of repetitions that you need to be, um, kind of like engaged in where you're just like Mm -hmm. every day, kind of like checking in and the element of checking in while it may seem very small, it's pretty profound. What happens after a week of you literally just asking yourself, like, how am I feeling? You know? And it's like, I'm not sure. And it's like, how am I feeling? I feel a little off. Right. And then it becomes Mm -hmm. more detailed, the more that you ask. And I think that, you know, having the emotional awareness over that is just a practice, you know, and, Sometimes again, we're meant, we're led to believe that we should have all the language for how we feel. Right. An example could be like, I feel very urgent when this happens and it's all detailed, but I mean, that's probably with someone who's been to therapy, who's been well-practiced and talking about their emotions. Whereas I think sometimes we're not given that space to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really loved what you said again. I feel like this, this theme of not labeling our communication with ourselves, like if we can't come up with an answer, that's okay. And like treating it as information and not a right or a wrong or a good or a bad. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, the great, that's information that today I'm not sure. And then maybe tomorrow I'll be able to have a little more clarity around that. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love that. <laughs> there was one other question that I had and trying to think of what it was. <laughs> it's just me and my constant brain fog over here. <laughs> well, Megan, what's interesting is, you know, it would be interesting to explore like your health history, number one. And then, cause often the answers for how someone experiences their body and, you know, these like little brain fog, little pockets often lies in what your body has been through in your past. So mm. sprained ankle, right. I fell down the stairs when I was five. Um, you know, I had this type of surgery because your body basically, um, has all these maps located in it. And when yeah. we have trauma. And I like to describe trauma as like little T trauma and like big capital T trauma. Mm-hmm. It, it carries that with us. And if we're not given the space, or we don't have the help to heal the trauma, our, our movement and our sensory maps of our brain get really blurry. 
And so when we have blurriness in these maps, we move through the world with more hesitation, with more caution. We maybe have more brain fog. We can't think as clearly. And again, these are all just protective mechanisms built into the brain to keep you safe, right? Because blurry maps don't allow us to predict that well. And so someone who has a blurry Mm. map, maybe someone that is coined like, oh, she's just a control freak. But honestly, it probably is because she has blurry maps and for her to feel safer, she needs to create like a super consistent schedule, a routine that lets her know when, you know, she has this meeting, when she has this social event so that it brings her nervous system, like peace of mind and safety. So, Mm. um, yeah, the health history is super informative. How you eat and fuel your brain is also going to be super helpful when it comes to like brain fog, you know, those little pockets of, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, it all can be, you know, real, do you know? So yeah, that's so interesting. I love that you keep speaking to that because it, it really is so interesting. And I feel like those little tidbits will be helpful for a lot of people. Cause I feel like from what I communicate with people is a lot of people are having a lot more brain fog right now and uh, our bodies seem to be, you know, just responding and there's just so much overwhelm in, in different spaces and depending on what people have around them and within them. Um, so that's really interesting. I love that. Yeah. And I think it's just like, you know, we've been led to believe that there's something wrong with us if we don't fit this like criteria, you know, and I just love the fact that neuroscience can justify every single thing that happens to us. And so it takes up, like, it literally takes like this huge load off of our shoulders Mm -hmm. with the question of what's wrong with me, you know, because it's like, I struggle with brain fog. And then we could be like, Oh, Megan, look at your health history, right? You had all these things happen to you. So I think your brain is having a hard time processing the information, but if we can work on your breathing, right? Like, cool. Let me know how, how your brain fog is. And you're like, Oh my God, Alyssa, I've been doing the breathing for a week and I haven't forgotten a question since, you know? So Mm. it's like, that's the impactful, you know, outcomes of really understanding the nervous system and like and then understanding yourself too. Right. Because then you're not outsourcing your brain fog, your symptoms to like someone else. It's like, Oh, I have all these tools actually in my body that I can like learn to harness and utilize. And it's so empowering, you know, that we no longer have to like invest in other people or other things, you know, when, once Mm -hmm. we learn the nervous system. Totally. It's just discovering like the tools within ourselves that our body has had all along, but that, you know, we lost along the way, or, you know, we, it's really a, like a cultural thing. Our, we've, we're taught from such a young age to kind of disconnect from our body's channels. Wow. That's yeah. so good. I did remember my question. I was curious when people <laughs> have, <laughs> when people have worked with you and I know you have, you primarily work in your program now. Yeah. Um, so when people have gone through your program, I'm curious, how does that impact their pleasure and their joy? I feel like from my own work and then from hearing other people who have done so much healing internally and understanding their nervous system, typically pleasure is able to increase. And I'm curious if that is an experience that you notice for people. Yeah. I mean, that's such a beautiful question. You know, within my program, there's always this, you know, initial like peak of discomfort where it's like, Mm -hmm. this is hard work, right? Like, wow, Alyssa wasn't kidding where, you know, when she told me that there's going to be pockets of this healing process that are going to be uncomfortable and really challenging because 
I think when we're healing the nervous system, we're also confronting these narratives of like, you know, that we may have, you know, ignored the body, right. We may have grown so far from her. And as a result of that, right. We're like fighting to like get back in alignment with her, which is hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. And I think that when it comes to, you know, getting over that big hump and then looking at, I work a lot on helping them reestablish what, you know, enjoyment looks like for them when it comes to like, you know, what does movement look like that, that is more focused on playfulness and I feel good in my body and connected versus I need to punish my body or lose weight. Mm. And with, with the redefining that they go through and understanding their brain's needs, it's like, they're, they're just so much more available. Like, and I say available with like an open, open blank after it, because (laughs) they're available for so much in their life. It could be the fact that they're now cooking more at home. Mm. Whereas before they were so burdened by, you know, I, I know all these rules that I shouldn't be doing this and I shouldn't be eating that. But through learning about my nervous system, right? Carbs are essential. When I have a craving, that's probably something informative for me. I should, you know, this is something I want to do. And they begin to redefine their entire life and bring so much joy back into their daily actions. And it's, it's super subtle too, right? It's like, I'm going to like press snooze and let my body rest longer. Right. Whereas Mm. before they're like, I have to get up, you know, and I have to go to the gym. It's like, I actually feel like I should rest. And she's telling me to rest. And I think being able to like step into rest free of guilt, free of blame or shame and all of that, like, Ooh, that yeah. is like pleasure in itself, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. That feels just good hearing about it. You know, it's just that refreshing yeah. and more expansive perspective. Yeah. Hmm. That's so good. I love it. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for sharing that and for speaking to that. Yeah. It was a great question. I've never been asked that before. I, for, for some reason it ends up coming up quite a bit actually in my, my conversations is just this idea of, of pleasure and joy. And especially when I communicate to members of my audience who have been part of a religious community that perhaps had rules and regulations around sexual pleasure. It's this very disembodied state where we, you know, we're taught don't trust your desires. And it's very much connected to that nervous system conversation where you, you know, you can't trust your body. You can't trust what it's saying. You can't trust its desires. You can't trust, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as those communication channels are put back together, then there's joy, so much joy found on the other side because it's no longer battling within yourself. And I think that's such a huge part of all of the, just this healing journey, both mentally and in like bodily, all of that is this, that reestablished balance within, um, mm-hmm. that just provides so much joy. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And it's just, I mean, we got to give ourselves credit because it's like, yeah. we literally live in a world that has made all the pleasurable things bad, right? Like Mm -hmm. don't eat the cookie because you're a bad, you know, you're going to be bad if you do that. And we start to then have this, like, if I do this, I'm a bad person. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that starts trickling to like all these other avenues in our life where we remove so much joy and pleasure that, you know, we're now like operating so robotically. Right. And we, we don't leave room for vulnerability and connection and, you know, then we're wondering why we feel so 
feel so ill. And it's like, well, where are you finding joy in your life? And then it's so common that my clients are like, oh, I, I don't know. Like I used to, I used to love cooking, but I don't have time for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to what we were talking about. stripped our humanity. Yeah, definitely. I'm an empathetic person. So I think that like, for me, like hearing you talk about this and like kind of picturing, you know, like you talking to your students and your audience about it, it's like, uh, it just makes me sad to think about how many of us either feel or have felt like we don't deserve that type of life, you know, Mm -hmm. and the process of getting closer to connected to your, or feeling connected to your body is also just not easy. Right. And so, Mm. you know, I, I just hold so much. Um, I hold a lot of admiration actually for the, for the students that go through this type of work because it's hard, right. It's messy. You're confronting all these like narratives around like why the cookie makes you a bad person. Right. And why you shouldn't press food. And it's just really hard internal work. But at the end of it, right. Is like, you are like truly liberated and you feel so free. And it's like, you can finally like take that breath that you've been kind of holding in for so long. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And that reminder of it's been within the whole time, like Mm -hmm. that reconnection as we establish that it's, it's there, it's like calling for us and it's just like that awareness. Yeah. Mm, So good. Well, before I ask wrap-up questions, is there anything else that you would like to speak to or speak out? And then we can kind of move into those wrap-up questions. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think how we, how you had mentioned that the tools do reside within us. I think like really, you know, even if you don't yet believe it, just like write that down somewhere, you know, it's like, what tools are within me and, you know, how is my body trying to communicate to me? Um, is like such a great shift to begin to entertain, to create for yourself in this process, because I think you're, you know, we're just led to believe that we're, we're not equipped with the tools. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. We're always looking external and sometimes we forget there's a, yeah. there's a voice inside of us. It's right here. <laughs> oh, so good. So I'm curious, I know at the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned walks to the beach and all of those good things. And I'm hoping that we'll get to hear a little bit more about that here. Um, But what is one way that you slow down amidst our busy world? Yeah. I mean, I think that was a big push for, um, you know, I think COVID, I read an article and it described it as the great pause we've all been needing Mm -hmm. because I think that it's forced myself and my partner to pause our life. And like, look at, because of the changes in how we socially interact, you know, we were like, are we seeing the people we want to see? Are we having those conversations that we really want to have? And are we, you know, in the place we want to live and feel like, you know, love, you know, like just feel so much happiness in. And I think Mm. it was a hard reality for us to be like, no, you know, so we just kind of like decided, I mean, we were aiming for this for sure. It was definitely pushed, um, quicker because of COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's been a wonderful shift for our health, our happiness, the balance of our life, because Hawaii is just a much slower pace. You know, people like are super friendly, um, but it's just, it is just built into the culture, right. Where Mm. you, I mean, my dad is, my dad's awesome. He's like, he's a lawyer, but 
he wakes up in the morning and he surfs before he goes to work, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then he goes to work, he comes back to my grandma's house and then they sit out on our, in our garage and they have like this little happy hour together, you know, and they just sit, they don't have to talk all the time. They play the radio and they're just like sitting in the garage and just being present. And I think Mm -hmm. that Hawaii is just so much about that, that you, you are just almost like forced into that culture where like, you're like, wow, I feel like I'm slowing down. I don't have to try as hard. Whereas in California, everyone's so like productive, right. And always grinding Mm -hmm. that I was like, I have to keep going, you know, whereas here I find like, oh, like, do you want to walk to the beach? And it's like now such an option, you know? (laughs) So yeah, that's so good. And that's such a great reminder. And I feel like that picture of just like sitting in the garage, having your own yeah. little happy hour, like playing the radio, who does that anymore? But it's so good. And so good. when we can come back to those small little things, it can make the biggest difference. I love that. Yeah. So good. And then I'm curious, who are a couple of your current role models or mindset expanders? Ooh, well, I am a huge fan of Brene Brown. <laughs> um, yeah. She is amazing. Um, she has a wonderful podcast and, you know, all of the people that she's brought in to interview have also been huge favorites of mine. She recently had a podcast, um, with the author of the book, my body is not my, my body is not an apology. Yeah. And it's such, it's yeah. Did you listen to it? I haven't listened to it yet, but I saw it and I'm like, Oh, I need to listen to that. (laughs) Yeah. You'll love it. It's just, it's so profound. And it's just like, I mean, when you start to like go through the weeds of diet culture, right. It's so Mm -hmm. based in like just white supremacy and like racial roots and all of that. And so it's just, it gives you another lens, you know, on like where we've been misguided. And so Renee Brown is a huge one for me. I'm really close to my family. So (laughs) my sister is definitely someone that I've always kind of looked up to and, you know, leaned on for support, um, Mm -hmm. advice and all of that. And I think just her grounded energy has always helped me continue to not only feel confident in my decisions in my life, but also push me to expand and challenge myself too. So I would say her too. Yeah. Oh, I love that. (laughs) That's amazing. I always love when family can be a role model for us. I think that's such a beautiful thing. So that's really, really cool. I love that. So good. And then lastly, how can we find and support you online? Oh, what a wonderful way to put that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my Instagram is coach Alyssa Chang and my website is coachalyssachang.com. Um, I just launched a private membership. It's a nervous system healing space. Um, it's called turn left collective. You know, you, you had mentioned the program that I offered, uh, which doors are closed for that. And it always, I was always meeting these like wonderful women on these discovery calls and, you know, things have to fall into place for them to be like, yes, I'm going to work with you in, you know, my program, better expert. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't always fall into place. And I just kept thinking like, oh my God, like I really want to work with that person. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. you know, um, Rachel and I worked on kind of creating another platform for there to be access to me, but also for me to have access to a much wider group of, of females 
to support them in this larger conversation of like trusting, you know, themselves, trusting their bodies and then healing in community and knowing that you're not alone. And so that's another area where you can definitely find me in. Yeah. So those are probably the best ways to keep in touch. Awesome. I love that so much. I'm really excited about your, your new, it's a subscription kind of model membership. You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Super fun. Super exciting. Everybody, you should go check it out for sure. And I will have those links in the episode notes as well. So everybody can head there and yeah, connect with you and check out your, your program and your membership and all of the wonderful things you offer. Um, I know mm-hmm. I always appreciate your social media posts as well. It, it actually just like has a lot of great information, which I think is really beautiful. So thank you so much. Aww, for that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for joining me today. This was really beautiful. And I feel like it hit on a day that I really needed to have this conversation as both a reminder and as like an, oh, like I forget that some of these little things can be signals that my body's trying to communicate to me. So thank you so much for, for this time and for making the space in your schedule. Oh my gosh. Thank you. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Reclamation Podcast. I hope it served you on your own reclamation journey and know that I am rooting for you all the way. If you are desiring support on your journey, head to megscolleen.com. That's M-E-G-S-C-O-L-L-E-E-N.com to learn more about me and my current coaching offerings and availability. If you want to learn more about the show guests, head to the show website, thereclamationpodcast.com. And last, but definitely not least, if you found value in the show, sharing this episode with friends and posting a quick review is always appreciated. As always, reclamation is yours.